spend a whole lot of time in, in putting up decorations. We don't have a tree. We don't have lights. We do have a reef on our front door. A uh, um, couple of Sundays ago, uh, uh, when we had that beautiful snowstorm, uh, we were on Marco Polo with Best Family, and they were all talking about it was the weekend after Christmas, uh, after Thanksgiving, and they were all talking about all their Christmas decorations, and they were giving us tours of their houses. And I got my phone and went and pictured outside and said, my only decoration next year is I'm going to decorate outside to look like the North Pole, and all the snow was out there. And, and that decoration has since melted, but every time I turn around, there's a little more that comes. So, but um, but I, while I don't do a lot of the decorations, and I, don't, I still have the Christmas spirit. I, I love Christmas music, and I listen to Christmas music after Thanksgiving when it is appropriate. And, and um, uh, um, we've already gotten our, our, um, our, our family Christmas gift, and, and, and it is, it, it's, it's a, it's a uh, Beth is like, it's not a gift to me. Yes, it is. Um, it is because I said it was. And, and, no. And... and it's a it's a it's a Google Home and it'll play music for us. And over and over I keep, you know, play Christmas music and we got Christmas music in the house. And I like Christmas music. I like that stuff. And 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 I I, I like to dance around and I, I we had a You can be replaced. Uh we 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 had a wonderful couple's Christmas dinner last night, and we played games, and, and, and we, we, we acted out Christmas carols, and, and, and it was wonderful. My favorite one, I had Beth set on the stage in the other building, and I did this, and I ran and knocked her over, and it was, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. And, and uh, uh, not, quite, not quite Grandma, but older lady anyway. Uh, but... Uh, I enjoy that stuff. I I like to laugh. I like I'm not one for much for getting gifts. That doesn't really bother me, but I love giving gifts. I I I my oldest son, Anthony, I give him gifts at Christmas and he'd go, Thanks. I promise you I could have given him a car, which I didn't, but I could give him a car and he'd go, Cool. That's just was his personality. Michael, on the other hand, I loved giving Michael gifts. One year, I tried it out. I gave Michael an empty box. No joke. Gave him an empty box. He tore into that thing like he had won the lottery. And he was like, wow, look at the picture on the box. He didn't care it was empty. He was just excited to get something. And, and... And so I enjoy the, the, the love and the excitement of Christmas. But what makes Christmas important to me is not the season. It's not the day. It's the spirit. The spirit of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. I mentioned this last week, and I share this often. I'm not one. I understand that, that Jesus was not born on December the 25th. Uh, that, that's not the, the date of the birth of Christ, but it is the date that we have accepted, that we have worshipped or celebrated is the word I'm looking for. But however, we need to be celebrating the birth of Christ every day of the year. It needs to be a spirit that continues in our heart, that continues in our life. And, and so this year, as my Christmas series, I decided to talk about celebrating the Christmas spirit. Last week, we talked for a few moments about celebrating the Christmas promise. The promise of God's birth. From Isaiah chapter 7, Behold, I will give you a sign that a virgin will conceive and bear a child, and you will name him Emmanuel, which is God with us. And we talked about the promise that there was hope coming. Next week in our Christmas program, we're going to celebrate Christmas together. One of the greatest things about Christmas in my life has been family. Beth grew up with great Christmas tradition. 
in her family on Christmas Eve, they have the Feast of Seven Fishes, and they have seven different kinds of seafood, and then they have, they, that's the Italian side, and the Slovak side has this wonderful, babalki sweet bread that you roll in, in, in sugar water and put nuts on it, and, and then you, you dip it in honey, and ooh, it's called babalki, and it is awesome. Before you get to eat babalki, though, you have to eat the nastiest soup I've ever had in my life. Vinegar, sauerkraut, and mushrooms. And, and, and I, eat a, I eat a tablespoon of that a year. Give me the babalki. Uh, but, but it's wonderful. And then on Christmas Day, they had lasagna. You wonder why I'm fat? That's why I'm fat right there. And, you know, it, it's wonderful, and that's the tradition that we tried to keep up. We try to keep going in, in our family. My family growing up, our tradition happened in a car. We would have Christmas Eve at my my dad's mom's house and 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 have dinner and open gifts, and then we'd go to my, my mom's aunt's house, and we would have another Christmas party. Uh, and, and then we would get up on Christmas morning and drive an hour and a half to my my grand, my dad's mom's siblings. They were ten of them. We'd have Christmas there. And then we'd drive three more hours up to Oklahoma and have Christmas with my mom's mom. And and, and all that was after we usually had driven eight to twenty hours just to get there to have that Christmas. So Christmas was in the car, but it was about family. It was about being together. Next week. In our Christmas program, we're going to do it together. We're not just going to have a kids' Christmas program. We're not just going to have the choir sing. We're, we're going to have everybody doing something. And so we're going to have kids are going to sing. Youth group's going to do a, a skit. We're going to have um, uh, the choir, the, 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 I say choir. The musicians are going to sing. Uh, we're, we're, going to have, we're going to have the ladies' ministry is going to do something. The men's ministry is looking at some stuff to do. Uh, uh, our, Sunday, our adult Sunday school class is going to do, do something. The seniors are going to do something. We've got a little bit of everything from a little bit of everybody as we celebrate together. So we've talked about the promise. We're going to celebrate together. Today, I want to talk about celebrating the birth. I want to talk about celebrating the birth. There would be nothing to celebrate without the birth of Jesus Christ. There would be nothing, there would be no reason for celebration without a birth. And so today we're going to talk about celebrating the birth. Won't you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Amen. Verse 10 through 11. If you're visiting with us, you say, what just happened? We get excited when we open the word of the Lord. Stand with me as I read this this morning. It says, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your majesty and your peace. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this service, Lord, that you would let your anointing rest on every ear that hears this sermon, both those who are here, those who listen to the podcast, those who watch the video. Lord, I want you to let celebrating the birth become alive in our hearts so that we can truly celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I can only imagine being a shepherd out in a field. Many scholars have, 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 have come to believe that these were the temple shepherds and they were actually watching flocks that were being bred to be sacrificed. The sacrifice that Jesus replaces, that Jesus fulfills. And the angel comes and appears, and I can only imagine having an angel appear to me. I mean, I come close to that 20-something years ago when Beth appeared to me, um, but not quite. Um, but, um, you know, when you read the Bible and you hear about an angel appearing, 
the constant thing you hear is fear not. Don't be afraid. Because when an angel appears, it's a scary thing. It's frightening. And, And I can only imagine being a shepherd in that field and this angel appears. Don't be afraid. For I bring you good tidings of great joy. I'm about to make your day, your week, your month, your year, your life. I'm about to give you news that's going to change you forever. How many of you here are parents and can remember the time when you found out that you were going to be a mom or you were going to be a dad? I had such hope. I had such visions and dreams when my first son was born. We named him Anthony. Through the course of time, one of his babysitters called him Bugaboo. And I thought, now that's just not right. But Bug is pretty cool. So I started calling him Bug. And I called him Bug when he was little. And then he started going by Ant. He's always had a complex. But... uh but I called him Bug for, for a lot of the time he was young. And, and one of the reasons I called him Bug is I thought it sounded cool. The other thing was I thought, man, what a name for a linebacker. Bug Sandifer on the tackle. I could see him playing for the Sooners. Well, I had hope. I, w- I had hope. He was just a child. He was just a baby. All of a sudden, I had all these dreams of my superstar, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winning, Hall of Fame linebacker, Bug Sandifer. And then he decided to stop growing at about six. He, not only did he not get big... If you talk to Anthony now and you say anything about football, he'll roll his eyes and say, why don't we talk about something real like hockey? Kids, you were born in Missouri, not Canada. What's your problem? He doesn't even like football. He hates it. But oh, when I was, when I found out we were having a boy, I was going to have a, then I had Michael. Michael, yeah, here we go. My second chance. Michael didn't stop growing at six. Or 19 for that matter. Uh, Michael's past me. He's as big as I am. And I'm thinking, yes, this is it. And then we come to seventh grade, eighth grade, and he played football. And I said, he's not going to be a pro bowler. I had dreams at the announcement of a birth. But I tell you what, what I found out as those kids got older, my dreams may have faded away, but their dreams took took root. And now I find myself so proud and so excited as I talk. My oldest son has now kept a job for over six months. He took another contract. He's going to be out another six months. I talked to him on the phone. And I got off the phone with him the other day. And I told Beth, I said, dear Lord, I think he's growing up. He's starting to talk like an adult. But I've watched him from the time he was about 15 say that he had a goal. His goal was to be the old man that everybody wanted to sit around and hear the stories of all the stuff he's done. Michael is 20, Anthony is 22 years old, right? Yeah. 22 years old, and he already has more stories than a lot of older people that I know. He's flown planes, rode motorcycles, piloted lifeboats, works on a ship at sea. He's been to college. He's starred in plays, starred in student movies. He's, he's uh, written movies. He's designed costumes. He, he's done all these things. What's that? Oh, yeah, he's been to Scotland. He's done stand-up comedy. He's done all the. And at 22, I'm already going, 
Now, tell me about when you did that. That was his goal. It was exciting. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, they said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Not just because there's a baby born. Because there's a Savior born. And the angels set in place not just the desires of Mary and Joseph, not just the wishes of the shepherds, but the plan of salvation. And he said, this is going to make you happier than anything you've ever known. Because the plan of salvation has a, has a life to it now. It has a fingerprint. It has breath. And so we began to think about the celebration of the birth. Now, there's several different places in the Bible where we can talk about the birth of Christ. I want to start in Matthew. And I want to talk for a few moments about celebrating with gifts fit for a king. Now, let me give a disclaimer up front. The wise men were never at the manger. Talked about this last week. The wise men came later. Took them a while to get there. They may have been wise, but it took them longer to get there than the shepherds. But um, they, they, they come later. But, but I, I want to take for a few minutes and talk about celebrating with gifts. Now, we celebrate with gifts. I love, I used, I love the fact that I had boys. That meant that I got to buy Christmas gifts that I wanted to play with. If I'd have had a girl, I wouldn't have wanted to play with a Barbie doll as much as I wanted to play with Hot Wheels. I, I, if, you know, having a boy, now my boys are gone, so I have determined that my wife likes the things I like. So I buy her things that I want to play with. <laughs> and, that's right. Thus, I bought Google Homes this year for, for Christmas. But all of a sudden, we, 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 we think about the gifts that we give and that we receive. We do those because in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9... Uh, we hear the story of the wise men as they arrived at the king's house. It says, when they heard the king, that was Herod, they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They began to give gifts to this king. They began to say, I can't just come look at you. I need to give you something. I need to give you something. What gifts did they give? They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold fitting a king. Frankincense fitting a priest. And myrrh fitting a burial. They began to give gifts that had meaning for his life. He was a king, he was a priest, and he would die. And these three kings come and they gave of what they had because of their love because of their care, because of their desire to be a part of his life. As I began to think about gifts, and I began to think about giving, all of the kids that we are dedicating today are beautiful and awesome. But there's one that will grow up like her sister, calling me Uncle Pastor Tommy. Upped, for short. And Arabelle Joanne Moffus Callahan, I want you to come. 
Grandma and Grandpa are bringing the baby. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we need grandparents that will stand in the gap. And Grandma and Grandpa have brought this child that they love greatly to be dedicated to the Lord. And Arabelle is a little doll. Can you say hi? Look at there. She's adorable. Can you say up? Say up. Say up. Say I picked that word because they say up really quick. I tried to get, I tried my hardest, tried my hardest to get up out before Granny, but it didn't work. But where are you going? You're squirmy worm. Today, there are many gifts that we give, but dedication is a gift. What this dedication is about, this is not child baptism. This is not a time where we say this child is now saved. This is a time where we say this child is given to the Lord as a gift. And when we give this child as a gift, we, we say, God, we want you to do in her what you want to do. I talked a few minutes ago how that when I had my boys, I had dreams of what I wanted them to be. But when I dedicated each one of them, I said, God, it's not about what I want them to be. It's about what you want them to be. That's what this is about. Mom and Dad's not here today, but Grandma and Grandpa is. And you're a light in your family. You are, you are the light in your family. And, and I want to ask you a question today. Are you willing to commit in front of this whole church that you will do everything in your power to show that light and that mercy into the life of this young child, to teach her, to love her, and to show her who God is in her life. I want to ask this church, are you here today willing to say, we want to help them? We want to support them. We want to, we want to serve this family by being an example to this child. By making, ooh, I'm about, I should go sit down. Are you willing to commit that we want to care for this family by making sure we have nursery workers in the nursery? By making sure we have people that will teach Sunday school classes and help with kids' church? By buying new microphones? (laughs) By, are, are we willing to say as a church body that we're going to do whatever we can to pour the light of God and the teaching of God into this child. Are we willing to say that? Say, I do. I get a lot of... <laughs> All right. Sister Sarah's got a nursery worker sign-up sheet and assistant Sunday school teacher sign-up sheet. Please see her after service because you all said you'd make sure there were enough workers. Uh, <laughs> woo! You good, girl. I want... I'm going to pray for her and then I'm going to pray to you and have you pray, have you hold her while I pray for y'all. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now and I pray for this child. Lord, I pray for Arabelle, Lord Jesus, and I ask that you would send your victory and your power into her life. Lord, I want you to move in her spirit. And Lord, even from infancy, Lord Jesus, let her walk in your victory and walk in your power. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I pray for these grandparents, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would reach down and give them peace and give them hope. Lord, I want you to let them be the light in this family that this family so desperately needs. And Lord Jesus, I want you to let them, Lord Jesus, influence this child for your glory and for your honor. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I'm really excited as we move to the next section of this to invite Brother Brian Githens to come, and he's going to share the next, next little bit and do the next dedication. Well, I don't know that I can follow Brother Tommy that well, but I'm going to do my very best. As he said, he's done, what, hundreds of these? This is my first one.
but it's very special because it is going to be for my grandson. So um, it's really, um, I was telling Ren yesterday, I'm like, hmm, it's going to be tough because um, I don't know how you did when it was your son's, but I'm like, I'm probably going to be a bawling mess. So just bear with me, and I apologize. But Brother Tommy was talking um, about the gifts that babies are and, and how they really make our lives better and how we can hopefully live our dreams through them or maybe just lead them in the right direction. But um, I wonder if I turn to Luke chapter 2. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit how God will guide the children through the influence that we have over them. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I don't know if everyone here knows that the first three years from zero to three are the most critical years of a child's life. There's different studies, there's different books, there's a whole bunch of different things out there, but truly the first three years are when a child mind architectural is formed. Their morals, their spirituality, their physical, even their habits. If a child learns, and let's just be funny here for a second, if a child learns to pick their nose before they're three, they're going to be picking their nose when they're 73. Let's just be honest. We form our habits in our mind when we're young. And I know, I know, I know, maybe not be the thing that everybody wants to hear, but it's the truth. We form all of our habits. But where do we form our habits? Where do we get our structure from? We get it from parents, grandparents, friends, neighbors, church family. That's where children get it from. How did you learn how to do that? Well, I watched my dad or I watched my mom. Where did you learn how to pray? When I was growing up, I, I can honestly say I learned from my mom and dad. Today we've gotten to the society where people don't go to church as much. People don't think that these are important things. Where is the child to learn if we don't set the example? Many times when we're out doing things, and I've even heard of, I've got friends who have kids, it's like, oh, don't do what daddy does or don't do what mommy does. You know, I have a really good friend that's like, and his son is now almost 15. He's like, well, I don't drink on the weekends I have him. Okay. Well, what's, are you telling the child that you don't want him to do it, but you're going to do it? Children learn from us. So, in part of this this morning, I just want to encourage everyone that if you're around a child, watch your mouth, watch your actions. Make sure that Christ is exhibited in everything that you do because that child's looking at you. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train a child up in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not stray. He'll, he'll remember it. He'll always be with him. I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, there was a time in my life where I wasn't doing the things that I should have been doing. I didn't put God first. I can honestly say that for a few years I attended church on Christmas and Easter. Because mom and dad called, hey, you're coming to church? Yeah. But that is the thing that's the truth. I came back to it because of the training that I had when I was this high. And up and up and up and up. Train a child in the way that he should go. Well, why should I do that? Why? I mean, how come that's my responsibility? If you move on down here to verse 51... And I'm just reading the first part of this verse in Luke chapter 2. And it said, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Children, like I said, learn from the examples that we set. They learn by the instruction that we give them. If we don't give that to them, who's going to? Well, isn't that what the school's for? Mm. Isn't that what the rest of the world's for? Isn't that what their friends are for? If you want them to learn and you want them to believe the way that you do, you teach them. You set the example. Don't depend on the world and your friends and everyone else to take care of your responsibility. And when I say your responsibility, I'm talking as a church family. If a child's out of line, hey, help them. Help the parents. Help the grandparents. Hey, do you need some help? Because we're all in this together. We truly are. When it comes to raising kids. 
Teach them from an early age what you want them to know. Teach them about the Lord from an early age. As soon as they're old enough to know what we're talking about when we say salvation, teach them. Instruct them. There's a whole bunch of different thoughts and theories and everything out. You know, when a child reaches the age of accountability, I like to use the one when they know it was wrong to take the cookie from the cookie jar, they know what the difference between right and wrong is. When they become to that age, we need to be teaching them, hey, there's a heavenly father that wants you to be right in everything that you do, wants to forgive you, wants to be the master and savior of your life. Because so many parents also, from the, from the time that a child is born, that, oh, well, as Brother Tommy said, well, we had them baptized, they're fine. No, we need to teach them that it's truly about asking God to come into their heart, asking God to lead them, asking God to teach them. If we don't do that, no one else is going to teach them, I promise you that. The thing that I like about verse 51 is the Bible truly instructs children because Jesus, even though he was God and is God, it says he was subject unto Mary and Joseph. Well, what's that mean? That means his parents were given the job and the responsibility of taking care of him. He was God. He was their creator. He could have said, oh, nah, I'll do it my way. I know what's going on. So if God, being Jesus, put himself in subjection to Mary and Joseph because they were his parents, his earthly parents, then do you not think that our children are going to learn from us? They're going to be in subject to us. They're going to learn from us. They're going to be everything from us. If you want a little me, teach them. It's the truth. Same way with grandparents, friends, family. If you want this child to go the way that they need to go, show them, teach them. Don't expect them to learn it by themselves. In Matthew 19 and 14, Jesus said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me. The best part of this verse says, For of such is the kingdom of heaven. We are all God's children. Each and every one of us here today are God's children. How many times has, and, and I don't need hands because I preach to myself when I do this. How many times has God had to correct us? How many times has God had to pick us up and put us back on the straight and narrow path? That's his job as the father. So this is not just something that God's telling us to do that he's not doing because God watches out for us. He takes care of everything. He is the true parent. Everything that I'm telling you this morning, everything that Brother Tommy has said this morning, is something that God has instilled in his word and has instilled in us. It comes from the top and goes all the way to the bottom. It's not anything that just, oh, well, hey, we need to do this. God has instructed us as his children to teach our children, to guide them and to lead them. So as I close this part this morning, I want you to take that to heart. Remember that you are always, always an example. It may not even just be to the little children. It could be to younger people, to the teenagers, to the 10 and 11-year-olds. You're constantly, constantly an example. You're constantly, your life should always be reflecting what God wants it to be because you never know. Funny thing about it, you never know who's watching. You never know who's like, isn't he a preacher? Doesn't he go to church? Never ever underestimate that somebody else might be watching you because truly as a Christian, we live in a glass house. And if we're not taking care of it, people will destroy us and people will bring us down. That's not the example that I want to be setting for any child that I'm around. So at this time, I'd like for my daughter, my son-in-law, my big boy, and my little big boy, my wife, my mother, and my other daughter, Kelsey, to come forward, if you would, please. And 
just so there's no confusion, this this is big boy, and this is my little big boy because I said, hey, how's my big boy when Israel came along? And Israel goes, I'm your big boy. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had to get that straight. When they're three, they know everything, in case you didn't know that. Taylor, you know how you know how it works. Yeah. And actually, when Taylor got uh, married to Katie, I told him, and they were pregnant. And she was pregnant with Ezra. I said, "You know what? I said Ezra is a prophecy. It's going to be equal. Finally, there will be three guys and three women." And then Taylor and I was like, "Oh, they're still grandma." So we were still outnumbered. <laughs> so when Israel came along, we're like, "Yes, we're finally going to be equal." And then we were told, "No, we're not." So, but anyway, this is. Israel Lane Duree, proper boy, yes. Um, so this morning as I start this, um, I would like to, as I just mentioned in the scriptures and that I read, it is truly not just everyone up here's responsibility. I'm looking to everyone here in this audience also as responsibility. And I'm asking each and every one of you that not only for my grandson, but for any child, for anyone that you come in contact with, to be that example to live that life in front of them, that they will know that Christ is the reason, not only for this season, but that Christ is the reason that we live the way we live, that we enjoy the things that we do, because Christ truly is what our life is about. So I'm asking each and every one of you here to help, if you ever see Israel or Ezra or any of them, as a child, be that example that they need. Truly be that example. And... Before I get to Katie and Taylor, I'm going to ask um, my wife, Rennie, which is Mimi, not Grandma, it's Mimi, and Aunt Kelsey, and my mother is a great-grandmother. I'm going to ask you that this morning I'm going to ask a pledge from you that any time that you are around, any time that you have little one, that you would, yes, that you will always be that example, that you will strive to love him, to teach him, and to always live that life in front of him. If you will, I ask that you will do. Please say I will always. I really do appreciate that. Now, I'm going to ask you to take this book, and I'm going to take Munskin. This is my little one. This is Israel. And you're right, Tommy. You do. All them little words that nobody understands except for him. I promise you. But this morning, um, yeah, that's mommy. Yeah, that mommy. Taylor, Katie, I'm going to ask you as parents that you will always, don't go nowhere, that you will always live that life in front of him, that you will commit from a very early age. I'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> that you will teach him, that you will live the life in front of him, that from the time he is old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, that you will instruct him in the ways of the word, as you both have been instructed, that you will teach him, you will guide him. I already know that you will be the best parents that you can be, and that you will spoil him, and what he doesn't get at your house, he will get at Mimi and Papa's. <laughs> but I'm asking that you promise not only myself, but God and in the company of these witnesses that you will do your very best to raise this child according to the word that you both have been brought up on and that you will teach him and guide him in everything that is godly. Will you do that? All righty. I'll give you back to Mimi and then go to Mom. I'm going to ask that you all stand. I'm going to pray over Israel this morning, and Taylor and Katie. Dear Lord, we just come before you, God, this morning. I just truly want to thank you, God, for my grandson, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for that you have given us another child, God. God, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you just have your will in his life, God, that you continue to lead and guide Taylor and Katie, God, as they raise this child that you have given them, God. God, I just ask, Lord Jesus, that you have your will in his life, God, 
just take him along the path that you want him to go, God. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you just use him for your will and for your glory, God. We just truly thank you for all that you have done, God. I just ask you, Lord Jesus, continue, Lord. Continue to lead and guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is a good God. Beautiful, beautiful family. Beautiful child. I got news for you. We celebrate their birth. We bring them gifts. God guides them. But as John writes... In John chapter 1, verse 1, says in his different telling of the Christmas story, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was the life, and the life was the light of all men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The life was the light. There's something that happens when a baby comes into the house. Whether it's your child, whether it's your grandchild, your great-grandchild, there's a light. There's a light. Yesterday, I was going to the hardware store with Brother Mike. And as we were leaving the hardware store, I may or may not have pulled out in front of somebody. And Brother Mike was like, whoa. And I said, that's okay. I'm like Paul to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm good to go. To which Mike showed me a light. He says, you may be there, he says, but I got grandkids and great-grandkids. I ain't there yet. And I thought, you know, the truth of the matter is, my kids are grown. I don't, I don't have that light of those grandkids and those great-grandkids yet. But I remember the light when my kids came along. They, they bring a light into our life. They bring, they bring a joy. I, I get a light when other people have babies. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to raise them. <laughs> Uh, I don't have to pay for college. Um, But there is a light that comes with a baby. And when Jesus was born, the life that was put into that little baby was the light of the world. It was the light that changes everything. Just like we understand that light that comes into our eyes. You want to understand that light? You ask one of these grandparents about their grandbaby. For church today, Sarah came in, and I put the picture that I'm going to put up in a few minutes on the screen, and she went, that's my baby. Is shit? Never mind, I'm going to stop. Um, when, when we see that light, it changes everything. And, and I'm going to come back in a few minutes and close this out by ending a little bit about that light. But I want you to go ahead and change that slide. And I, I, want, I want Olivia Love Midget and all of her family to come. Everybody come on. Hey, grandmas, aunts, uncles, I don't care. Everybody come. I know we'll get half the church up here. I know how that works. Olivia, come here, darling. You're so small compared to your brother. Yeah, she is. She's like, hey. Olivia. I get to see her at a, at a, I saw her at the hospital, but then I got to see her at a football game. 
And, and uh, I went and I got my picture taken with her, and then I had to do all kinds of explaining on Facebook. No, it's somebody from the church. <laughs> but Olivia is such a sweet thing. She is a light. If you don't believe she's a light, just look at Sarah's face. She's a light. Look at Sam's face. Sam, every time it seems like, seems like I make really cute babies. <laughs> yeah, you do. You are a light. You bring joy and happiness. That's what we celebrate about these children. That's why the greatest times, where are you going? We're up here. That's why the greatest times, so many times of Christmas celebrations, is when we had the little ones in the house. And, and, and we can celebrate the joy in their lives. But we have a responsibility to be a light as well in her life. And as I did before, I'm going to ask you, as a church, are you willing to be a light to this child? In times of darkness, are you willing to be there as a ray of hope? as a caring hand, as a loving embrace? Are you willing to be the light to Olivia Love Midget? People like Corey, they're afraid to say that. Two words he won't put together. Now I want to come to this family. She's a light in your life. She makes you happy. She makes you smile. She makes you make weird faces. <laughs> but are you willing to be a light in her life? You willing to show her hope and victory and love? Are you willing to be that light? Yes. Are you willing? She's like, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's the best one of the day right there. Sure, I have to. I know Dad had to work today. But Sam, are y'all willing to be a light in this baby's life? And everything that you can do, get her in church, let her learn, let her grow, and even at home, teach her with the light of prayer and the light of worship, even at home. Are you willing to be a light? I want you to pray with me as I pray over the baby first. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now, and I thank you for Olivia. Thank you for the light that she is in our lives. She makes us perk up, and she makes us smile. Lord, I thank you that you sent your own son to be a light in this world. Lord, I pray that as she grows, she will not only light the path for others, but we can light the path for her. Lord, I pray for blessing in her life. Lord, now as I give her back to mom, Lord, I pray that you would reach down and touch this family. Lord, I want you to, I want you to let this family be a light in Olivia's life. Let them show their, your love. Let them show your power. Let them show your, your honesty and your truth. And Lord, let her be the light. Lord, the Bible talks about and a child will guide them. Lord, let her be a light that guides us back to the right path when we get off track because of the love that is instilled in her heart. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen. Let's give Olivia a hand, amen. You can be seated. He, this life, the life of Jesus Christ, was the light of the world. But the world did not recognize it. I can't talk about celebrating the birth of Christ. I sure can't talk about the light of the world without asking you, do you need light? Do you need some, do you need God to come in and light the path of darkness in your life? Maybe you've hit a place of hopelessness brought on by sin, attitudes, habits that have pulled you away from God and you feel like you're just stumbling down the road. This life 
is the light for your path. Maybe you need the light of healing. You need the light of encouragement. Maybe depression or pain has brought sorrow. This light, this life is a light in a dark world. I'm going to ask everyone here, if you will, and I don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask you to do today. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody's looking around. Pastor, why do you do this? If, if, if you're going to give a people an opportunity to be saved, they need to do it in front of everybody and publicly confess. I agree. But sometimes when you're in the darkness, you need to get some light to get some hope. So right now, privately, between me, you, and God, you say, Pastor, I feel darkness in my life, and I need that light. I want you to just lift your hand. Nobody's looking around. Yes. Anyone else? Just a couple minutes. I'm not going to wait a long time. But I want us to find the light of Christ here tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. But today, I believe that you were born, you lived, you died, were buried, and rose again, all to cover my sin. And today, and today I commit to live my life for you. My life is not about me, but everything is about you. You are my light, and I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, the angels of heaven have begun to celebrate. The Bible says that the angels rejoice over every lost sinner that comes home. Angels are celebrating. There's a party in heaven right now because of you. I want to thank you for being here today. Make sure you congratulate our families that have these new babies. And, uh, uh, and to the families, we'll have some pictures and some picture frames that we'll be sending you in the next, in the next week or so. And thank you for letting us be a part of